Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. And Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, right off the top, uh, we are continuing our summer previews. Uh, today, we are taking a look at Duke. That's our second game of the season coming off a, a bye after our little trip over the pond to Ireland. Um, but we have some big news, and I've been so excited about this, I've completely lost lost my voice. So apologies <laughs> for that right off the top. But uh, um, we were reached out to uh, a couple weeks back by Home Field Apparel. And if you don't know Home Field Apparel, know Home Field Apparel. These guys are amazing. They have they do like vintage shirts, uh, hoodies, sweatshirts, you know, vintage apparel. Um, of schools all across the country. It's not even like the big schools, too. I mean, they got like the Colorado School of Mines. I mean, no one has ever heard of Colorado School of Mines except me because they were just right down the street in Golden. But they have like they put out shirts with this, the School of Mines logos and stuff on them. So for the longest time, you know, Northwestern fans have been like itching and dying and really looking to get in on it. And now it's happening. This Saturday, uh, July 23rd at 11 o'clock central the northwestern line goes on sale and we are so thrilled to partner with home field for that um we even got a promo code and everything go to home field uh buy buy the stuff use the promo code westlaw pirates and you get 15 percent off your first order how about that guys i was to, to give everyone a, a point of reference right so i i feel like some of you don't know but a lot of you do know home field is just the best they're awesome. This has been something that is a known thing that Northwestern people have been clamoring for. And almost as a point of reference, when Homefield contacted us directly and was like, yeah, we're going to be putting out this new Northwestern collection, we were super stoked just that the collection was coming out. <laughs> um, just And they were like, would you help promote it? And we were like, yeah, obviously we would help promote it. We're just psyched you guys are finally doing this. So... Yeah, it, it's awesome. Um, but I think one of one of the big things, and and you know, everyone's been talking about it online since Homefield announced that they were doing it and everything. Is one of the things we've, in addition to the fact like that sweet promo code that we guys we we encourage you guys to use just because it exists. Um, but also we've had the the good fortune to be able to see this collection ahead of time. And while we can't just start tweeting out pictures of what it looks like it is sweet it is what everyone has wanted it's 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 really awesome stuff i something that's, that i'm really excited about and this especially dovetails with the way our 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 show has evolved over the last two years i'll say is that these ain't just football shirts folks um get excited to be able to support lax and softball and uh th- like there's there's some really fun historical northwestern elements here um if you're a band uh junkie like myself like get hyped and um get really fired up to check this out it's it's going to be really exciting like i have i have teetered on the precipice of buying home field <laughs> apparel shirts for other schools um just because their designs are so cool um everybody They're so sweet everybody raves about the comfort of these things like we like we are not just blowing smoke here like this is like legit a fantastic thing for Northwestern. The timing is great building up to the season and uh, 
we're we're clearly really excited to be a part of it. So I think not not coincidentally too, Homefield knows what they're doing. Kansas State immediately preceded Northwestern, you know, in, in this run up. And that gave all of us an opportunity to look at the Kansas State shirts and be like, Oh God, come on. Those are so sweet. <laughs> Where are ours? When they got to be KG about like purple, look, purple looks good, and Kansas State set some records. So like, hey, Northwestern yeah. folks, like, you got some work to do. And uh, while you're doing that work, support your boys. Um, we want to make a really good showing with our with our promo code uh, this this upcoming week too. So yeah, homefieldapparel.com. Home field Use the code Westlaw Pirates to check out, and you get fifteen uh, percent off uh, your first purchase. So uh, thanks so much to to Homefield for. Uh, coming to Northwestern. I mean, this is, this is amazing. It's really, really cool. So, and thanks so much for them to sponsor the show. Cause uh, that's also really, really cool. I'm just so excited to get some good feels off the top before we have to talk about this Duke game from last year. So, <laughs> thanks home field. Yeah. Am I showing myself too much? If I, if I comment on, uh, on the, the relative deficiencies in the, in the uh, Northwestern clothing market right now that like, this is, this is sorely needed by many of us, so thumbs up, get hyped. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Saturday, uh, 11 o'clock Central, jump online. Let's crash their servers, guys. Yeah, homefieldapparel.com, um, Westlap Pirates for 15% Westlap off. Westlap Pirates is your code, absolutely. So let's talk about Duke. Um, you know, Like I said, coming off a bye, coming back from Ireland, uh, taking on the Blue Devils. Um, the less we have to say about last year's game, the better, I think. No, oh, I'm, um, I'm sorry you said that because you're not going to like where I'm going to be going, but okay. <laughs> oh, boy, okay. <laughs> so, John, talk about their defense. Well, so, this defensive preview is going to be an outlier. It's going to be an outlier from every other one I've done so far this season. It's going to be an outlier from most of the ones I've done in the past couple of years. Um, in that... Ready? Are you ready, Sam? <laughs> yeah, hit me. It will specifically be geared around last year's Duke Northwestern game. Um, All right. Well, w- wake me up when he's done. I'm going to go take a quick nap. <laughs> My so, approach will be slightly different. Well, I so I had to structure things this way, honestly, um, because the Duke game was an outlier last season for basically everyone involved. Um, really, the game was almost more than an outlier. It effectively set the tone offensively for everything that came after because of the Hunter Johnson factor. And it's really important to remember and to understand. Um, And I know a lot of people want to rewrite the history, but the bottom line is if this game doesn't happen, there's a chance Hunter Johnson's our quarterback right now. Hunter Johnson could be Northwestern's quarterback right now if the second quarter of this game doesn't happen. Remember, he threw for over 300 yards in the game right before this game. Um, The fact that so many people in NU Nation don't believe that's true has a lot to do with Hunter, has a lot to do with Fitz, has a lot to do with the Hunter-Fitz relationship. I don't want to get into any of that right now. It's funny because I like... My 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 knees are twitching. Like I want to get into that because I don't know that I agree. But like I'm gonna sit back and hear you out. Well, so the facts as they pertain to this Duke game remain as follows: Duke's defense absolutely friggin' sucks. They absolutely sucked for the entire year leading into this game, and they absolutely sucked for the entire year that followed this game. Duke gave up 40 points a game last year, 14th in the ACC. 
They gave up 23 to Northwestern. Duke gave up 517 yards a game last year, 14th in the ACC. They gave up 417 to Northwestern. Duke intercepted eight total passes in 2021, 12th in the ACC. They intercepted three of those eight against Northwestern. All three were thrown by Hunter, and the third of those three effectively closed the book on his Northwestern career. This game, with the possible exception of the Iowa game, I guess, is the only loss on last year's schedule that Northwestern absolutely should have won. Northwestern should have been 4-8 and eight with a win over Duke, but Northwestern lost to Duke um, because of this dumpster fire on both sides of the ball. I'm only going to focus on the offensive aspect because that's the part relative to Duke's defense or lack thereof matters here. Um, really, again, I'm not focusing on what Duke brings to the table defensively. Duke brings nothing to the table defensively. This has been one of the nation's worst defenses for years. Yet Northwestern found unlimited ways to screw the pooch here. And Hunter was only part of this, and it remains a bad look that NU kind of allowed the optics of that mess to be hung on him. Because Lord Almighty was it a team effort. So first disaster was our failure to commit to running the ball in this game. So Northwestern finished with 157 rush yards in this game against one of the only two teams in the ACC that surrendered 200 or more yards a game last year on average. And the kicker is, Northwestern's backs averaged over six yards a carry in the Duke game last year. The back with the worst yards per carry was Evan Hall, and he averaged 4.9 with a long of 15. And I think we all know this by heart now, but if Evan Hall's averaging five yards a carry and his long's only 15, he needs to be fed nonstop because he's breaking one of the next 10 carries for 70 yards. As it was, Northwestern's backs had 22 total carries in this game. Disaster number two, the play calling. Look, we've been solid Bajakian supporters in this space, especially relative to Jim O'Neill, because Bajakian had a solid track record coming into NU, solid opening year with Peyton Ramsey, but this game was a tire fire. Um, The play that led to Hunter's first quarter fumble was this nightmare against a team that was clearly showing blitz all the way. Um, It was emblematic of this PAPS play selection overall with this disastrous emphasis on slow developing routes without a quick dump off outlet. Um, And of course, the maddening thing there is that Northwestern was still doing this months later in game 12 against Illinois. But the result in both games is the same. Your quarterback gets rocked a couple times. Then your quarterback starts getting the ball out early, forcing throws into deep coverage. Holinsky was doing it against Illinois and Hunter sure as heck was doing it here. And then disaster number three, execution. So, you know, pass pro, as we discussed extensively last year, was a total mess at this point in the season. So was communication. You can look at Hunter's first pick in this game. He clearly thought Stefan was running an out route instead of a hook. Whoever's fault that was, it led to a pick on a play where Duke was basically just giving away seven yards. You had in the drive killing penalties, and the offense was basically just standing in its own way all day. Once again, I'm not going to mention a single Duke player here, and that is deliberate. I'm going to close by specifically discussing the play on Hunter's last interception, which was an egregious throw um, that he fed to a corner on underneath coverage. But there's a big asterisk there, and I'm going to describe what that is. So Northwestern was in a jumbo set with two tight ends stacked to the right. Keep in mind, no Northwestern tight end caught more than 11 balls last year. 
So when I say that one of those tight ends blocked and the other one ran a deep in route, that's basically another way of me saying tight ends are not a part of the play here. So that leaves, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that leaves Evan Hall, who blocks, and then two wide receivers. So two wide receivers, effectively. And they're both on the left, and one runs a fly route, and one runs a 10-yard flag route. This is not a sprint play. Hunter is in the pocket where the pass pro has been weak and where he's already been rocked for a forced fumble. And he has two options, both deep, both extensively covered by a Duke defense that, again, really only needs to cover two guys on this play. It is second and 12, deep in Duke territory. In other words, Hunter's correct move in this case was to just chuck the ball off his back foot as far as he could possibly throw it and just hope he didn't get called for grounding. That was his best option on a play that in no way needed to be called. So, what do we need to do to beat this absolute wet trash Duke defense? At home, in the second game of the season, just execute basic football and not run plays like that one. And if we're going to run plays like that one, when we're throwing the ball, then just don't throw. Run on every single play against a team that gave up over 200 rush yards a game last year and was the worst run defense in the ACC the entire year before that. It will work. So, again... Um, like regardless of like the pieces and all the talk that everyone's going to have down the road about like Halinski or Sullivan quarterback situation, Northwestern's offense should be so much flipping better than this Duke defense. So pride just dictates that Mike Bajakian and the Cats just play like it and turn in the performance this year that they should have turned in last year. This D is horrible. This is not rocket science. Let's just do this. All right, Scuzz. Um, <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, wait. You, wait. I can go quarter by quarter. Do you want me to back up? We can just let's. We can get really into the weeds on that game. Uh, l- let's wow. Not. Let's. I. I. Wow. Um. I. I just left that game behind last year. And okay. Thank you, John. I so home field that. apparel. Um. <laughs> I totally forgot that. Uh, Evan Clare or Evan Hall got ten carries in that game, and that was it. Yep. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Andrew Clare had five. Tyus had six. All of yeah. them averaged more than five yards per attempt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yep. yep. Wow. So, so, let let's talk about the Duke offense, shall we? Yeah. So, um, I took a different approach. I, you I, took a, no, a normal approach. Well, I, you know, I just avoid. I steered far away from the Duke game as much against Northwestern as possible. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have, I don't have much to say on that. This is going to be a more, a more, um, I guess, traditional uh, scuzz take to evaluating an offense. But um, when, <laughs> when I previewed, when I previewed Duke last year, I surmised that their offense had to improve in 2020 um, because it had been, it had to improve over 2020 because it had been so bad the prior year. Um, it was pretty clear the wide receivers were the strength of the team. The The running back uh, depth chart was really good on top with Mateo Durant, but thin thereafter. Uh, offensive line was a likely weakness, and the quarterback was a giant question mark. Um, I'm going to give myself partial credit on the QB. 
I'm going to take the other positional views as accurate predictions and take a fat red X for the offense overall because they were not good. They averaged 22 points per game, two points less than in 2020. Uh, they did increase their average yardage by about 40 yards per game, but still, this this offense was not good. And I think the 30 points they scored against Northwestern was heavily influenced by those turnovers. And, and, and you know, as you saw, if you recall, in the second half of that game, Duke scored a whopping zero points once Northwestern stopped turning the ball over. Um, that doesn't make me feel any better, but... Um, to talk more about Duke, run blocking, quarterback play were their biggest problems last year. The line just wasn't great. Uh, Gunnar Holmberg was was the QB. He was he was pretty good at pretty decent on accuracy. Um, did well to u- utilize the great receivers they had. He was not adept at throwing deep. He struggled in the red zone and he threw more picks than he threw touchdowns. And the only surprise, I guess, for me looking backward is that Riley Leonard, their their kind of true dual threat young young gun at QB, uh, didn't get more of a shot. Um, I think he'll likely be the guy to get the most chance this year, but we'll see. Um, But here's where it gets interesting. So now, instead of offensive genius David Cutcliffe, Duke will be coached by defensive guru Mike Elko. And uh, manning the offensive coordinator position is an extremely familiar face. Former Northwestern receivers coach Kevin Johns. Yeah. wow. Uh, John spent the last three years at Memphis running a really good offense. Uh, and as you may expect, his philosophy was and is heavily influenced by those halcyon days of the Northwestern spread. Uh, he's a pass heavy, heavy coordinator, spreads you wide, runs tempo, um, doesn't like attack downfield as much. It's, it's, it's more about the, the side to side and spreading teams out. But Memphis averaged 300 yards passing and two and a half passing TDs per game each of John's seasons at the Reigns. Uh, the cupboard at Duke, however, is not exactly stocked for him to hit the ground running. Uh, let me first say there is very little in the way of top-end recruiting that Duke has done the last couple seasons. This is not to say that they don't have any talent, but there's no obvious impact guys coming to the team this year. Uh, similar for the transport portal. No quarterback. Uh, they got one wide receiver from Harvard uh, and and three offensive linemen, maybe a starter that, that they picked up from Colorado on the O-line. Um, they've lost Gunnar Holmberg to uh, FIU. And m- more importantly, their top wideout from last year, Jake Bobo, uh, will be wearing um, Big Ten UCLA colors next year. Uh, <laughs> Mateo Durant has graduated, and so they're basically starting for, from scratch on, on this team, uh, except for the offensive line. The run game numbers last year for Duke looked decent. I, I think mostly because Mateo Durant was a really good running back, but the line itself was not good. Um, that said, they have four starters returning, so they've got experience and continuity to build on. Uh, the depth that they get out of the portal will probably help. Um, what should, I think, help Duke fans feel good going into this season is, the, is that the line was above average in pass protection last year. They kept a non-mobile quarterback in Holmberg in pretty decent shape sack-wise, even on passing downs. Um, and when you when you couple that observation with the fact that Riley Leonard, the QB, I think is going to get m- most of the shot this year. He's a true dual threat guy. He should be able to help that offensive line improve even better by extending plays, avoiding pressure, et cetera. I, I think he's also going to add this is why I think he's going to play. I think he's going to add a running element that the Dukies haven't seen since the days of Daniel Jones. Um, now Leonard had offers from Nebraska and Old Miss, but he played almost zero last year. He's a sophomore now, so I think he's going to get a shot in what should be a pretty quarterback-friendly offense. 
The challenge, however, for Duke is going to be everything else. Running back is is very muddy. Um, Jordan Waters seems to be the name on everyone's lips, but he only had 40 carries last year, so it's hard to evaluate. Uh, there's no other clear talent, so let's kind of to see who emerges in camp. At wide receiver, uh, Jalen Calhoun is is good, and Eli Pencol uh, returns as well. Um, I expected I expected Pencol to do a lot more. If you remember, he's an Auburn transfer, uh, but he he. I think he caught like 20 balls last year. He just wasn't wasn't that wasn't that impactful. Uh, but beyond beyond that, you know, they just have a bunch of kind of three star dudes they've recruited. Um, so we'll just we'll have to see what happens. There's there's just no clear like heir apparent to uh, to Bobo or Durant on this roster. Um, what I think is is really concerning in in light of all this is that last year they really struggled to throw downfield. Um, Calhoun and Penkel averaged like 13 yards per catch. Bobo only allowed only averaged 11 yards per catch. That's really bad uh, for, for, for an offense. Um, Memphis quarterbacks under Kevin Johns were consistently above eight yards per attempt, but they always had very established and legit uh, wide receiver threats. Few who are, who are now in the NFL. So this is likely to be a challenge and one that's going to limit Duke's offense. If they cannot force some separation vertically and losing both Bobo and Durant is a big drop in team speed. I think defenses can pretty simultaneously stifle them, um, even with the added running element. So uh, all this being said, like, again, they were like bottom of the barrel last year. So it seems like they should get a little bit better. But um, I just think improving dramatically on last year's production without their two best playmakers is going to be a real struggle. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. Uh, so normally this is the part in the show where we go through their schedule, but um, as they're not in the conference, I don't Nobody cares. care. They play Temple. They, they play Temple the week before us. They play North Carolina A&T the week after. You know, you're, you're not getting anything from that little block. It's not like a look ahead to a big rival or anything. It's, you know, they're playing Temple the week before. So what what do we make of this game? I mean, obviously we're going to be coming back um, after the Nebraska game in September and, you know, talking about what we learned from that game and what we'll, you know, learn going in. We, but we technically have we, a bye, what, right? We, we do. It, it's Nebraska, then a week off, and then, uh, you know, get the body clocks yeah. reset. Um, and then come back to come back home to play Duke. Um, what do we make of this game? Well, the first of all, one thing that I wanted to mention, right, is I made a real show um, deliberately, deliberately out of not mentioning any Duke defensive players. I do want to mention one Duke defensive player. That's Jeremiah Lewis, who is a Northwestern Wildcat now, and was very. You could very easily argue was Duke's best defensive player. Uh, you know, I mean, he, I think he was hurt at one point, but over the past couple of years, he was easily one of their best defensive backs and one of their best overall defensive players. I think a lot of people maybe don't realize just, I think if you look from like a resume standpoint, he is the marquee Northwestern transfer incoming. So that's a big, you know, piece leaving Duke and coming to Northwestern. So worth mentioning there. Um, 
I would say one of the ways I'm thinking about this game is just the game itself, almost like stepping out of our Northwestern fandom and looking. The narrative around this game is going to totally shift based on the results of that Nebraska game. Um, if we pull a great, you know, if we can pull a win in Dublin out of that Nebraska game, which of course we would all just be over the moon about, then that's going to change things. I think if if Northwestern doesn't get that result, the outside narrative is going to be that these are two not good teams matching up. And I'm just going to be, I'm, our, I'm already sick of that narrative. So um, I think the, the interesting thing, Scuzz, you talked about with the backs, right? Like, I mean, Duran is a huge piece that I'm so glad we don't have to face. And Bobo, same thing. And, but I still wonder if Duke's running approach is going to be the same kind of running approach, which was kind of a, a, you know, a misdirection and outside running approach that they, they cooked us with. No, I would like, yeah. like that's, that's not John's approach. John's approach. Yeah. John, John's is going to spread you wide with his receivers. And then, um, pass to set up the, the run inside the tackle. I mean, it is, it is extremely Kevin Wilson offense. Right. Very, early aughts. Right. Yeah. Very early aughts Northwestern. I mean, I guess we'll kind of see. I mean, I, I would say, right. That the, the linebacker core is going to be young there. It's going to be um, a test for, I think, you know, we're going to obviously talk about so much of this later in the summer, our interior of our defensive line and and the defensive line as a whole, I think if you take Tommy out of the equation, I think it's going to be a rough road for them next year. And I think this will be a real test because this is probably an offensive line that they can match up with, um, you know, as well as they'll be able to match up with most of the power five teams that they play. And that's going to be a real test because if it's going to be inside running, I think that helps so much of that new linebacker core we're going to be breaking in. And I think we'll make their job easier if the defensive line can can do it. And if we can, I mean, again, I think we all know, like the especially when you have the Jeremiah Lewis piece leaving Duke and going to Northwestern, that I think, yeah, if a, a team that wants to throw deep against their, our secondary, I mean, again, it's not a perfect world, but I'll, I'll take that. I, I can't help looking at a much kind of simpler rubric, and that's that the last two times Northwestern went to Duke, we really struggled. And the last two times Duke came to Northwestern, we thumped them pretty cleanly. That long grass. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like I just, I like, and, and obviously that has coincided with, you know, um, a couple of really good Northwestern teams in, in the up years and a couple of really bad ones in the down years. So I like, I realized that, that this might be a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm, that I'm referencing, but I, I, I this game doesn't play out like the game last year played out. I think it looks much more like um, Northwestern Rutgers last year. It, like if I mean if 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 Northwestern hits like I'll say the the low to medium mode of potential improvement. I mean I, I, if if Northwestern has a, a bounce back year where they contend for the the Big West championship again like they did in 2020. I I. I for the record, I don't, I do not believe this will be the case, but if that were to happen, the Northwestern thumps Duke. But I think really what I expect is a, is a, is a game much like the Rutgers Northwestern game last year, where we're playing a team that is as, as flawed as Northwestern might be a team that is worse. I, I don't know if I, if I put enough effort into making it clear uh, just how much 
Northwestern's own offensive coaches and players, you know, threw themselves under the Duke bus and allowed it to back over them last year. I don't know if I put quite enough effort into making that point. You, did, you know what you didn't mention though, is that like, <laughs> I guess he was like, given that he had been, he had literally been an offensive coordinator in the ACC. Like you, you would think that, that right. the running, the running defense, I, like the lack well, of prowess defending the run at Duke would have been something high on Bajakian's mind. Going well, into so, this game. so let's, so let's try to flip it positively. Right. Um, again, I think Bajakian is someone that, that I think we're, we're glass half full on. And I think he turned in a rough year last year, but he's his, his resume is a long resume with a lot of solid work. And it bigger than that though to me is the trench cra- trench cats and trench cat pride and i just think that line which again was so much of it was a new line at that point last season and again they were just a mess in that game and i really think those guys are circling it on the calendar and i think that is a group of guys with a group of backs who did pretty well against duke last year anyway that I think that is an entire group screaming, feed us the damn ball. Let these linemen get out in space and crush these guys. Again, the group they're playing the week before, those Nebraska linebackers, this Duke unit isn't anything remotely close to that that group. Um, they don't have a position group at any level that Matt, that's even remotely comparable to that. So it's just like, put them out in space, run some poles, heck, hit them between the tackles, whatever. Feed the backs the ball. Just roll over this team. This team is dying to give you over 200 plus, you know, 200 rush yards a game. Just hit them on the ground. We've got the ponies to do it. Um, and I, you know, so that's my glass half full. After that giant rant, my belief is that hard lessons will be learned from all of that mess, and that we're just going to come out and roll over this team. All right. Well, not to belabor the point much more. Um, we'll obviously revisit all this uh, in September when we come back to preview the game. Um, any final thoughts on Duke just right now, or are we good to go ahead and uh, and leave it there? I will say I think it's going to be very interesting to to watch what happens to Kevin Johns in this role because because he he was a above average offensive coordinator or or I you know wide receivers um, coach slash I think he had OC duties for a couple of years with Indiana um, left when the Kevin Wilson regime was. Uh, ended and then had three really strong years at Memphis. And like, this is a, this is probably a tougher gig, uh, given all the, the given you're going from like high group of five to low power five. Um, if these are still terms that are relevant when people are listening to this podcast, but, um, it's still pretty interesting to see, like, like if, if Johns can do well here, you got to think that he's going to be on the radar for bigger and better things. And, and for, for folks who have been listening to our podcast for a long time, like we have been moaned at the turning point that you saw um, in the Northwestern offense when Kevin Johns left. And that's not all about him necessarily, but there were, there were some things he was doing with, with the wide receivers at Northwestern, both on the recruiting and especially on the development front that were really special. And um, so I just, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch his trajectory. Are we dunks? I mean, I can do like five or ten more minutes on that 2021 trip to Durham. Do you guys want? <laughs> How do you think Hunter Johnson would have performed? No, I'm kidding. No, let, let's let's just go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Um, 
Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw Brian Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh,